Well, hey, you fine people. I thank y'all for coming out again. Might as well just jump on in it, right? It's going to be a little different than what we usually do. So um, I hope it's what you guys need or what I, we all need. Of course, I'm a little nervous whenever I step into something different because I have to believe the Lord gave it to me, but still, you never know, you know? Um, you just hope that it's him, right? And not just myself. But, you know, when I started Thirsty like nine years ago, which is amazing, my hope was that I never wanted it to become routine. I never wanted it to become something that became habitual, that the people that came frequently never expected what was coming. You know, because like we, you know, like church has become something that is very you know what's going to happen. You know that it's prayer. You know that it's offering. You know that it's this. You know when you're supposed to raise your hand. You know when you're supposed to walk. I mean, like, it's so organized. And I never want to be organized in a good way. We need to pray first. You, we pray first. Y'all feeling? Amen. Come on, babe. And pray for Janelle, please. Feeling nice. about you see that's what I'm talking about um thank you Jesus ah <sighs> and still right mm mm-hmm 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 
And this is what I've been praying for because I knew God had something for us. Um, you know, the thing that uh, he spoke to me was that he wants more, that he wants sacrifice, that he wants truth, he wants honesty, and he wants faith. Uh, he's tired of the same stuff. He's tired of us masquerading, acting like we just want more knowledge, using it as an excuse not to really walk in faith and trust. Because not trusting always will lead to sin. He doesn't want us to sit another time gaining just information about him, yet not coming to him. We have to be careful of our motives. We have to be careful of our desires, if we even have a desire, or are we just coming? Um, we have a boatload of information. All of us could tell you about God. We could quote scriptures. We could go through everything. But have we become who he needs us to become? Um, Jesus' own words, he says in John 5, 39 through 40, he says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Jesus knew that we would go to the word. That we would get comfortable reading, understanding, memorizing. But we would never come to him. Now imagine how that makes him feel. That you were more comfortable just reading who he is, but never saying, but I want you. So we are full of scriptures, yet we are not full of Christ yet. And, you know, I'm all about knowledge. I'm all about understanding, breaking down scriptures, like all of that is necessary. But don't lose what the real aim was. Mm -hmm. The real aim was always for us to find him, to come to him, to lay in his bosom. We quote scriptures, but we never really become the scriptures. We're supposed to be awake like he is. The word is him. He's living. He's breathing. When do we become the living and breathing word of God? So today we're going to work together. All of us are in this together. The paper bag's back there. I need y'all to go grab some. You probably need about two or three. Bring me mine too, please, and a pen. Because we all work in this together. So how are we going to do this? We're going to work this like an assignment. Okay. Um, sometimes, you know, we have to make our stuff very tangible for it to impact us. We need to be able to touch it and feel it and understand it for us to be able to do it. Um, mental gymnastics sometimes keeps us bound. Because we can play stuff over and over in our head. So now we're going to take it out of our head and actually make it become life. Um, writing things down is very cathartic. It brings life to the situation. So when we go through this, I have some questions. And we're going to write the answers down on these bags, okay? Bear with me with this and have a little faith that I'm, I'm leading you in the right way. When I ask you guys the questions, do not overthink it. Let God drop down what he needs you to write, okay? Don't need sentences. Don't need to be eloquent. Simply just write what's on your heart, okay? Remember, this is between you and God. He is already knowing, so there's no sense of, of hiding from him, okay? And I know this is a bit unorthodox, but I got to go where God leads me. So the first word that he woke me up with um, was purge. So purge, it means to rid of whatever is impure or undesirable, to cleanse, to purify. We must purge because blockage stops the free flow of the spirit. So if you think about a sink that's clogged with hair, the water goes through it, but it, sometimes it backs up, right? That's kind of like what we are with our spirit and God. Um, he's moving through us, but we're kind of filled with stagnant, dirty water. And he's not able to do what he needs to do. And remember that stagnant water then attracts mosquitoes. And mosquitoes drain your life force. So the stuff that we need to purge is literally draining our life force. 
He needs us to move it. So God is saying no more games, no more false praise, no more not being in truth. So I just want us to pause in this moment. Close your eyes. Take some nice deep breaths. And release them. Release your defenses. And quietly say to God, reveal to me all that I have not wanted to see. All that I have not wanted to hear. Keep my eyes and ears open as you speak these hard truths to me. Take another deep breath. When you're ready, let the Lord know that you are open. And another deep breath. So let's go forward. So what is hindering you from getting closer to God? I want you to write it down on the paper bag. You know, write what feels wrong to say. <laughs> so the next thing I want you to look at is what is actively, right now, presently, trying to steal, kill, and destroy you? And I want you to go broader than just like some behavioral sins you have. You may have that too. But I want you to write anything, any person, any circumstance, any past hurt. Write everything down that is actively stealing, killing, and destroying you. So after you finish that, I want you to write down, and this is from the past now, what has been stolen from you, what has been killed in you, and what has been destroyed, what needs to be restored. You may have other stuff drop down on you while we're going. So just as stuff comes to you, right? Um, anything you feel like you kind of need to purge, I want you to write it down, okay? In Proverbs 20 and 30, it says, Blows that wound purge away evil. Yes, beatings cleanse one's innermost being. Um, as we know, there is nothing more, I think, assaulting than being exposed, of people having to see you for who you really are. Um, nothing more painful than having to look in the mirror and face yourself and to say, this is who I am without making excuses, without the conditions we put on why we are who we are, just simply, this is who I am. And then when we look at it is our view for God. This is what I have chose to do to God. You know, I have chose not to trust him. I have chose not to be in faith. I have chose to operate in certain sins. You know, I have chose this. And we have to get to the point where I fully accept that I chose every behavior, every decision, every thought, um, every lack of that we can add to it. Um, I did that. And you got to be willing to be able to stand in front of God and say, this is who I am. I want you to be able to accept the blows that God is giving us because he needs to purge away the evil. It has to hurt a little. It can't just feel good. And I think a lot of times we come in wanting to feel good. We come to church for a high. We don't really come for a scolding or a rebuke or a transformation. But transformation is painful at times. It's not always, you know, a feel good kind of thing. And God never said he was going to operate in the feel good. You know, he's going to do the hard stuff that we actually don't really want to do. Um, according to the King James Version Dictionary, 
Evil can be natural or moral. So natural evil is anything which produces pain, distress, loss, or calamity, or which is any way disturbs the peace, impairs the happiness, or destroys the perfection of natural beings. Very interesting the way they define what evil is, because we don't usually put evil in disturbing your peace. So anything that's taking your peace has an evilness to it because it takes you away from who God said. He said, I gave you my peace. I gave you my peace and now you don't have it. He sees that as evil. That's evil for him. He, you know, he, he said that he came to block everything that the devil intended so that when we are affected by it, there's an evil that he sees is a part of it. And this is why it's really, really important for us to be able to tap back into who God is, what God actually intended for this walk, what he intended when he sent his son to die for us, to cleanse us, to get us where he wants to be. It was so much more than what we have been living. It's so much more than religion has been promising us. It's much deeper than that. And we have to see everything that pulls us away from God and his intentions as an evil sin. And we don't tend to view it that way. We just like stuff happened or life services. No, he sees it as this is some evilness that you're operating in. And we prefer not to call ourselves evil. Like, I don't think I'm an evil person. But how many times have I perhaps produced pain in someone else? Have given someone else distress? Has taken away their happiness? Then I operated in the evil that's ugly. So moral evil is any deviation of a moral agent from the rules of conduct prescribed to him by God. Or it's any violation of the planned principles of justice and moral virtue. So we're always looking at these little things that take us away. I think we did ourselves a disservice when we categorize sin as being this, these certain acts. And we did not broaden it to see that anything that takes me off the path of God, that makes me miss the mark of God, I am operating in sin. Now, when I view it that way, I see that I'm an awful sinful being. Because how often are we not on God's path? How often are we missing where God intended for us to go? But we don't want to call ourselves sinful. We want to say, I'm saved. I don't do these things, so I'm not like those people. But I've got to see myself for who I am. Pretty sinful. Pretty in need of repentance. Pretty in need of forgiveness. So when you operate this way, you take all the haughtiness off of you. You actually become quite humble at the fact that God is still fooling with us. You know, we like, oh, the mother folks are reprobate because they keep sinning. Uh, hello, raise your hand because right. we all keep yeah. in the foolishness. So if our blows are not harsh enough, we will not be cleansed. The purpose of any punishment is to cleanse the inner being. If the inner being isn't being cleansed, then you are wasting your time. So if you take little soft punishments and you're able just to say, oh, Jesus, forgive me. Oh, I'm going to try not to do that again. Oh, I realize I was wrong, but it's not a thrashing to cut down in the inner man. Then we really haven't done anything. So allow him to take you deep. And I know, you know, this is like far from what we're supposed to be doing in church. But God really is about cleansing and about healing. That's what he's about. So tearing down to rebuild it is his way. He has to tear us down in order to build us back up. The problem is we don't want the tear down. We don't want to be demolished. We don't want every part of us to be exposed to the elements and for God to have access to. So there's some parts of us that we hold very close to ourselves that we never give God access to. And because God is not a person who comes in just opening doors, you have to actually open the door for him and say you have permission to actually touch my stuff. Now, 
How much stuff haven't you given God permission to touch? I don't want your hand on that, Jesus. That's mine. I got this. So he's brought us here for this unique opportunity to actually maybe get cleansed and healed. Um, I don't want you to let the devil skewer you into staying surface. And we start regurgitating the same old confessions. Because that's easy. Oh, I remember when I lied. I remember that time I had sex when I wasn't supposed to. Oh, I cussed that person out. But you haven't gotten any deeper. He's tired of your old confessions. He would actually like you to go a little deeper and give him the new stuff that's actually operating right now. So Proverbs 20 and 30, again, with the King James Version, it reads, The blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil, so do stripes in the inner parts of the belly. So blueness represents a wound that has cut deep, and the bruising represents the cleansing, right? So once you get bruised, it starts healing, and it comes off, and then the color changes. So you can't stay surface if you want to get rid of sin and evil. You actually have to dig deep. So pull out your papers again. So iniquity. Iniquity represents the wise or the fat of our sin. Sin is anything, again, that misses the mark of God. So anything that has you out of sync and off the path that, has that God has designed for you is your sin. So this is what I want you to think on. What was first a wound? You got hurt that has now festered into a sin. So maybe it was your parents. Maybe they wounded you. Maybe they abandoned you. Maybe they beat you. Maybe they made you feel like you're not wanted. Maybe they taught you not to trust. Maybe they taught you the world is actually kind of evil. And now we hold on to those things and they pull us away from God. Because God wants us to operate in this peace. He wants to operate in full trust. He wants us to operate in knowing that he's safe. What made you feel unsafe? And when we think of fester, you want to think of something that has become rotten, that decayed, that has irritated you, that has caused bitterness in you. So what is the vacancy or hole in you that has now festered into a sin? What are you trying to cover that you now use sin to fill the hole? Be it drinking, drugs, alcohol, sex, compulsions of buying, of food, running through people. Where's your holes? So what has occurred that has made you not know your place in God in this world? What makes you not know who you are and what you're supposed to be doing? Do you see yourself as wonderfully made? Do you see yourself as the embodiment of God? And then if you don't know, that's you just write, I need revelation on that. So where's your bitterness, your frustration, your resentments, 
your inequalities, your unfairness, your disappointments? What are your falsities? What are the things you lie about? What are you smiling about that you really want to cry about? That you feel like you got to be strong? And what are you laughing over to keep from hurting over? So everything we wrote down, the bitterness, the frustrations, the, the wounds, all this stuff is the iniquity behind our sins. They are often the things that push us toward being in a sinful place. So these need to be laid on the altar and burned. When we fail to see that all this stuff keeps us from God and his plan, we tend to hold on to it and we don't release it to God. When we categorize sin as just these couple of things, a few things, then we hold on to the things that are really sin, the fat of the sin, the whys of the sin, and we never really hand that over to God. So Psalms 32, um, 4 and 6, he says, All day and all night your hand was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water on a sunny day until I finally admitted all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Now I say that each believer should confess his sins to God when he is aware of them. While there is time to be forgiven, judgment will not touch him if he does. Um, unfortunately, we have seen confession and repentance as almost a negative. I'm ashamed that I have to confess. I'm ashamed that I have to openly repent. And it never was supposed to be that. It was supposed to be a place where we come together and we actually can share our confessions. Then he says, because when you confess your sins, that's how you get healed, right? God cleanses you when you, when you confess to him, but it's in the confession of jointly together to one another that healing actually takes place. That luxury has been snatched from most of us. And we have allowed the devil to make us feel ashamed to be sinners. And not realizing that we are sinners that are saved by grace. And we don't even take on the grace that God has given us. We don't even wrap ourselves in the mercy that he has afforded us when he died. So instead, we got trapped in this box of sin that we can't seem to escape. So we know in the Old Testament that they had sin offerings, you know, that was a tangible thing that they did in their confessions. So what we're going to do is actually do a burnt offering, a ritual to signify us giving our stuff to God. And um, I know this is a little odd, but I think it's actually going to be very powerful. And Exodus 40 and 6 through 11, it says, Place the altar of the burnt offerings in the front of the entrance to the tabernacle and the tent of meetings. Set the basin between the tent of the meetings and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard all the way around and hang up a screen for the entrance to the courtyard. Anoint the altar for burnt offerings with all its utensils. Consecrate the altar. Then the altar will be especially holy. In Leviticus 4.31, he says, Then he must remove all the goat's fat just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar, and it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Early on in, in Thirsty, Andre broke down what burning the fat is, and he, he dealt with the sacrifice, and it's actually on the podcast. You guys should go listen to it. But he dealt with when they did the sacrifice, they sacrificed the animal, but the priest had to come and actually remove all the fat 
out of the animal. And that fat represented the iniquity, the whys of the sin. And that had to be burned up as well. So it wasn't just the sin, but also the whys of the sin that have to get burned up as well. Um, burning, it's a process of actually really demolishing what is there. Once it's burned, it can never be seen again. You can't paste it back together and make it what it is. It is gone. So we're actually going to burn our bags before God. We're going to do this with truth and with purpose. So if you're not ready to offer what you have been written to God, I don't want you to do it. If you're not ready really to be free from it, I want you to hold on to it until you're ready. You can do this at home by yourself. Um, but it has to be done only in truth. Worship is only received in pure truth. It is truth when you say, I'm not ready yet. See, God can receive that from you. I'm not ready to give this away to you. I don't want to repent yet of this. I know that sounds bad, and we don't want to actually verbalize that kind of stuff, but I'm not ready to repent. I'm not ready to turn away from this and turn to you. That's what repentance is. So if you want to hold on to your bitterness, if you want to hold on to your anger, if you want to hold on to that, that rape and that, and that abuse and that abandonment, you can hold on to it. But hold on to it with honesty. Hold on to it with truth that I'm not quite ready yet, God, to give you that. Do a work in me so that I can get ready, but I'm not ready yet. Okay? Because otherwise, our worship is not received. And I think we miss that. It's not about us just waving our hand. It's not about us singing a song. It's about being in truth. So if it's not truth, God says, I can't hear it. And I, I'm deaf. I'm blind to y'all stuff. It's the reason why in the Old Testament, he said, stop sacrificing. Don't sacrifice another thing to me because it's not pure. It's not true. He says, I don't even hear your songs. That little stuff you just burn up, I don't even care about. You just wasted an animal because it wasn't for me. So we've got to look at what we're doing in our attempts to get God to see us and our attempts to please God, but we don't want to do it the way he requires. So we've got to always look at what are his requirements because our requirements don't really matter in the face of what God wants. So you want freedom, then you have to occupy truth. We literally have to arrest truth. We live in so much dishonesty. So many lies that we're used to it. Become shackled to truth. Wash in truth. Truth is the key to your prison. If you are in bondage, the only way you will ever become free is when you speak truth. Okay? And God says, I don't want it. No more counterfeit praise. I can't receive it. It makes me deaf and blind. All you are doing is entertaining the devil. Wherever a lie is, the devil is present. Take that in for a minute. Wherever a lie is, the devil is present. He's the father of lies. If we lie, it is because we have teamed up with Satan. We keep bringing the devil into sacred space when we bring our lies. When we wave our hand, we don't want to wave our hand. When I really don't even believe what is read and I'm reading it and acting like I want to praise. God says it is a lie. And you are bringing Satan into my sacredness. We pray lies. We don't even believe what we're praying. We don't even believe in that God to do it. I don't have faith in what I put out. I just do it because someone told me I'm supposed to pray. But if you don't believe God is going to answer the prayer, if you don't believe God's going to be present in your situation, who are you talking to and why? See, it would be more honest to say, Lord, I know you're out there somewhere and I believe you to be truth, but I don't believe you to be true for me. I don't know you to come and fix this for me because I've been here for a long time. I've been in this for a long time and, and I don't see any movement. I don't see any growth in me. I don't see me actually getting closer to you. 
I'm doing the stuff. I'm doing what everybody tells me to do. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading. I'm, I'm shouting. I'm speaking. I'm doing all this, but I am void in the inside. I'm going to keep talking to you because I don't have nobody else to talk to. But I'm going to need you to come in and transform my heart. I need you to come in and do a work in me so that we actually can get where we're supposed to be. Because right now I'm dishonoring the cross. I'm dishonoring why you died. I'm taking it for granted. When you told me you stole the keys, when you told me Satan has no power in my life, and I'm praising the devil, and I'm saying I know things are never going to work out, I'm never going to get free, I'm never going to be where God wants me to be, my life is always going to look like this. Well, then the cross is ineffective. And you shouldn't have did it. Not for me. So repentance always has to be coupled with mourning. You cannot repent and not mourn. So we often love the scriptures that says he'll give us beauty for ashes, right? Give us the oil of joy, all the praise stuff. But we fail to do the requirements to get that. We have to stop nitpicking the scriptures. We've got to stop reading a portion of it because it feels good and it's a promise. But I don't want to deal with nothing else. I don't want to deal with he says requirements. I don't want to deal with the warnings. I just want the feel good Jesus. The rest of this stuff I'm tired of. Because a part of us feel like I didn't gave my life to you. I didn't try to do this. And you haven't come through yet. See, that's part of the disappointments we have. We're disappointed in God. We never get the opportunity to say it. But we're disappointed. We feel like he let us down. We feel like you're not as loving as you said you are. You're not quite as come through as you said, right? You said I would never fall. You said no evil would touch me. You said you would spare me from all this stuff. And I'm sitting here wondering why. I got all this mess just sitting right on my lap. But I dare not speak that to God. I dare not say out loud, God, you failed me. Because how can I tell God he's a failure? But where's your truth? Your truth is what he needs. And what we miss the story of Job is that God, Job gave him his truth. You messed my life up. You took stuff from me. And I was good. I'm not out just cutting a fool. I'm really trying to walk the straight and narrow. And somehow, I don't see the promises at my feet. When you give it to God, when you go give it to him. When you go pour that stuff out to him. My life looks ugly. Where's all the people that's supposed to come and save me? So in Isaiah 61, let me try to keep myself together. He says, to appoint unto them that mourn and zine, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified. So what we notice is that we have to mourn. See, mourning makes us vulnerable. Mourning puts us in a place where I have to give it all up, right? Um, why is mourning always associated with death? Because death is final. And there's no way I can get around the fact that you are no longer here. So I must mourn the fact that I no longer have your presence, okay? There's a lot of stuff that we have to realize has died. And we must mourn it. And the reason why I have you write all this stuff down, because we've got to kill this stuff. We need to create a burial for these things. Because we have not put them to death yet. We keep resuscitating them. We keep bringing them back. So those wounds that hurt me, they keep coming back alive. They're able to breathe life back into me. 
You know, that time when they walked out on me, when they slapped me, when they let me down, all that stuff keeps being resuscitated. So every time I see a new situation, I see it again and it's life again. But I have to create the burial ground. I have to dig up the dirt. I have to put it in the ground and put the dirt over it and walk away and say it is dead for me. You no longer get to have power over my emotions. You no longer have to get power over the way I think about myself. You no longer have power to make me see that I am inadequate, not enough. You get to die today. But see, the thing is, is that am I ready to let you die? Because when you did, I can't bring you back to life. We have gotten comfortable with those things. They actually have become the way we operate in this world. They are attached to how we feel, how we are. I know that I am abandoned. I know that I am not enough. I know because I'm safe there. So that's when I see you, I can say, oh, I can maybe deal with you, but I know in the long run you're going to walk away from me. Because I know this is truth. It's way scary to say, maybe people will actually love me. Maybe they'll actually care. Maybe they're going to stick around for the long run. That's scary. But let me keep my death thing alive so that I can always run back to that because I can jump in the casket with it. And so many of us have allowed ourselves to die with the stuff that we were supposed to be freed from. Where's your shackles? What have you arrested yourself to when you act like you can't be free from it? See, God wrote a new story for us. Our narrative gets to actually change. I get to say that was. But God, when he came in, he wrote a new story for me. I am enough. I am loved. I am special. I am all that he says that I am. But will I allow myself to be in that place? This is why it's hard to burn it. Because when I burn it, I'm saying I'm actually letting you go. And that's not to say that it won't try to wear its head, because it will. But you now have the power to constantly put it to death. But see, that becomes a choice. So can you lose the things that don't serve you well? Are you willing to mourn those? Because it has to be a purpose in all that we do, right? Everything we do, good or bad, there's a, there's a reason why. We need to wear the spirit of heaviness. We don't really want to wear it. We know it's there, but I don't want to put it on like a coat. I don't want to walk around and let it be me. I have to be okay. I have to be free. I've got to work. i got kids. i got to do all this stuff. I cannot wear heaviness. And see, a lot of this was written as Isaiah. And in those times, you actually did wear your heaviness. You actually did show that you were mourning. You just put on all black. You knew that, that those, those people were in grief. They are in pain. And that's why he says, I'm going to exchange that. So I see that you're full of ashes, right? They used to put ashes on them. I'm going to take that off of you. I'm going to take that smut off of you and give you some beauty. Are you ready to be beautiful? See, that's a choice. Are you ready to give up that spirit of heaviness? Right? We like to put it on when we get home. We wear it when we want to. But are you ready to give it up? No more of that. Because he wants to actually just give you some praise. We love the, you know, the paradox. I need to be in pain because I can't believe I can be in praise. Hmm. And the oil of joy. See, joy is so much deeper than happiness. 
Joy is no matter what's going on, I got something in me that says it's going to be okay. And not this fake stuff that we do. But like the real joy of the Lord is my strength. But I can't have joy in the Lord because I'm not joyful about the Lord. I'm not happy about him a lot of the time. So I can't get the strength from him because I'm not joyous to be even in a relationship with you. And I feel guilty for that. So then I lie and say, yes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I smile. So will you mourn the stuff so that you can finally become a tree of righteousness? Will you allow God to plant you where he needs to put you so that he can be glorified? Because we can't just have all the rewards and none of the other stuff. But the trouble is, and this is the trouble with the scriptures, he always wants to be the center. So I can be glorified is what he says. Let me do this stuff in you so that I can receive the glory. We want to receive the glory. When does my life get glorified? When do I get put on the pedestal? Why is it all about you, God? Goodness, don't you have enough? Just being honest here, guys. Just being honest about how we really feel. Right? I'll say it for you out loud. Why is it all about him? So then we've got to make it okay for it to be about him. We've got to jump into enough faith to believe that if we actually made our life about him, he would then honor us. But the trouble is we've had no one do that. From birth, I have made everything about everyone else. My parents forced me to make the world about them. I had to fit into their way. I had to do it the way they wanted. I had to please them. I had to make them happy. I had to do, you know, all the things they wanted me to do. I never got to be angry or sad or mad or anything. I just had to fit into their bubble. Then I got into school, and it's the same thing. Everything about our lives has been about everybody else. And now I jump into God, and yes, I'm happy I'm not going to hell no more. But I'm trying to figure out, when does it become about me? God, you want more of me too? You keep putting stuff in my life so that what? I can become more like you? What? I'm trying to understand this, God. I'm trying to get the picture of what we're supposed to really have here. Is my only reward heaven? Is it only that I get to miss hell and that in this, I get to praise you? I get to say, you are wonderful. You are glorious. You took my sins away. I am living for you. Is that my reward? <sighs> gotta, we got to fight through this, see? We got to talk through this because if that's it, can you love him? Can you trust him? If this other stuff don't quite work out, do you still believe he is the God he said he is? The God that comes through. The God don't let you fall. The God don't let the water go over your head when you feel like you're drowning, though. I'm trying to get some reality on the scriptures. Because I read this. Present help. Time of trouble. My trouble keeps coming. You blocked what was intended. But dang, look what happened. Can I make peace with that God? See, if you can answer these questions, you can get to the affirmative. Your relationship with God will look very different. Because you won't be afraid of him. We don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to be afraid to talk to him. We don't have to be afraid to, to reason with him. To question him. To say, I don't get this. This don't make sense to me. 
help me understand it. Because we too busy again searching the scriptures. Thinking they're going to give us life. But we never come to him. So. If we're ready. Let's turn these sins, iniquities, wounds into actual ashes. And in faith, believe that he's going to forgive us and grant us the promises of the scriptures. As you watch the fire destroy them, watch the fire go layer by layer, burning them away from you. See the smoke going up to God as he smells the sweetness of your sacrifice. And then sit back and let the water of the spirit cleanse you and heal you so that you can now flow three. So it can now, excuse me, flow freely through you. So this is where faith must be exercised. Again, don't do nothing you don't want to do. There's no pressure up in here. You have to believe this to be truth. You have to know that faith without works is dead. So after you burned your stuff up, you must consciously choose to abandon it. Most of us know what it feels like to be abandoned. Such an ugly feeling. So to abandon means to give up completely. A course of action, a practice, or a way of thinking. To renounce or to relinquish it. So everything you wrote down must be actively abandoned. You're going to be tested to pick it back up. But you've got to make a decision that I'm not going to look back on it. You've got to break the stuff that broke you. Let's put our animosity in the right place. See, we put it actually on God. I'm mad at him for not blocking it. But we're not mad at the stuff that actually happened. So I want you to reject it the way you were rejected. Make it feel what you have felt. Exchange is what's in order. So we're told to occupy until he comes, right? So occupying actually means to have a constant exchange with God. Occupy doesn't mean just live your life and get around. Have a constant exchange with God. So when you feel like picking it back up again, exchange it with God. Here's my stuff, God. I'm laying it at the altar again. You got to be able to visualize God. You got to get that intimate with him that you know you can approach his throne. You can sit there at his feet. You can climb in his lap. You can lay your head on his chest. God, I'm giving you this again. If you don't make it personal, you get nowhere with God. He's got to be yours. Can't be everybody else's. Your personal God. The personal way you need him to be. Visualization is very, very important. So then you mourn it, you repent it, you burn it again, right? You're saying, give me back my beauty again. And the more you exchange, the more you're able to approach the throne, the more you're able to be honest with God, the more strength you gain. The more you actually start seeing God move in your life. And you start saying, this is kind of real. Like he's actually something. This ain't a fairy tale no more. This is actually my God. And then you don't have to fall into everybody else's paradigm of how I'm supposed to be with God, you see. You're just able to say, but this is my God. And we have to do it the way I need to do it with God. This is how we use our spiritual weapons. We're supposed to be defeating stuff. But you got to get ready for battle. Are you ready to battle your stuff? Are you ready to fight with it? Because if you're not ready to fight with it, it's more than welcome to sit right there. It's already got a nice plush little spot in your life. It's all comfy in the pillows. Just chilling. Waiting for you. It don't even really fight you that much. And it's not really coming at you. You go to it. Because it's sitting there all pretty. You know, all this stuff has become our idols. Right? So all our wounds, all our hurts, all our sins, all of that stuff is just our idols. We worship at its feet. We're not really worshiping God. I mean, he's standing there too because he can't leave us. So he watches you worship everything but him. 
and you wash and worship that stuff in truth. Dang. You honest with that stuff. But when it comes to God, something different. I know it's like heavy, right? Yeah, I know. I know. <sighs> so, this is what we're going to do. Because this is what God told me we're supposed to be doing. Um, I'm going to have Andre pray over our altar. Consecrated to be holy. And we're going to ask God to receive what we're sacrificing. And to cleanse us from it and to forgive us. So again, only burn what you're ready to sacrifice. This is all between you and God. You're not ready, you're not ready. And we're not in a rush here either. So we're here to be freed. It's time. Aren't you tired of carrying it? Aren't you tired of just, just burning you down? I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming, isn't it? It's so freaking heavy. Like, I'm tired of it. And I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you guys. Like, I've been in this process for the past, like, two or three weeks. Right? Good Lord. Because I always got to walk it first before you can deliver it, right? Because I prayed when I started doing all this stuff that I never would be a hypocrite. So he's always, he's always granted that. Took me on the path before y'all. But I'm just two steps ahead of you. I'm actually just right here. Um, but, oh my God. And this is the thing. It starts with this. And when you open yourself up and you say, God, I'm open. I'm ready. I want to be free. I don't want to carry this anymore. He'll start bringing stuff to you that you didn't know was there. Stuff that's buried so deep that you had no idea. Putting pieces together that you just never even knew fit. But it's something. It's a new energy. It's a new place to be. You just got to be ready. And again, like seriously, like if it's not today, just make it some time. You can make your own altar. You can burn up your own stuff. And it's just a visual way to be able to do it. When I did it at home, because I've done it, because I'm going to do it again, and done it a couple times now, because it's going to keep coming, right? So you got to keep getting rid of it. Um, it was an amazing thing, because I literally watched the paper. And I'm like, I'm giving this away. I don't want it no more. Like, it, it's, it's, it's not serving me anymore. It's time for me to actually just be free. And amazing as this, everybody don't know, I'm not even afraid. I'm not even scared to see where I'm going. I have, nowhere I, I have no idea where I'm going. But I don't have an ounce of fear, which is an amazing feat for me because fear was my sin of choice. And it's just, I'm not scared anymore. It's freedom. This is what I just know this is what God wanted. God wanted us to occupy our space like this, with Him like this. You know, I was one that didn't believe in God and the scriptures. I did the church thing. I didn't believe like that. I didn't know these to be true. There's so many contradictions I can find. <laughs> There's so many ways I can see this a different way. I'm quite analytical. And I'm like, this didn't make any sense. You're going to have to make it clear to me. And I don't have time to be playing around. You, I'm sure you won't either, Jesus. You know, that's my arrogance at the time. You know, I, I don't have time for this. Like, we're going to get this right and do this. Or we, we do, we're wasting our time. But you got to be ready. Get out your comfort zone. Break free. So, babe, this is our makeshift altar. Look, and this is, this is how crazy God is in the good way, Jesus. Um, is <laughs> usually I get my stuff like a few days before, right? And this, because I needed to buy this thing. So I had, he had to give them to me early enough for me to get this shipped to me and for me to buy this, right? See how it just all works together because he needs us to do this stuff. 
Right? And then we're right outside the door because you can't burn this inside. But you see how that all works out? I like Jesus. He really is real. So we're going to do, we're going to pray this, and we're going we're gonna, to uh, make this a true sacrifice, a burnt offering. I have lighters for us to do it. You guys can do it on your free will. What we're going to do is you're going to fold the paper away from you as a, as a show of walking it away from you. Then you actually burn it. Look, I got everything. We're going to put them on fire because we can't burn our hands. And then we're going to put it in there when we finish. And these are going to be our ashes that he is going to turn into beauty.